Got my little teacup here. I do not like cold weather. Most of you have been around here for any length of time. You realize I'm a summer person. I'd rather have 95 degrees than to have anything under 50. Okay, so bear with me. A little, if I take a sip once in a while, please bear with me. How are we doing today? One, two, three. How are we doing today? You're here. You made it. You got out of bed this morning. You braved the cold weather. You got here. I, I said to my wife this morning, oh, my God, I want to stay, I just want to stay in bed for at least one more hour. Couldn't. Just had to get out. Um, I'm glad I did because this, is, this message here is, is going to be a critical message for every one of us. If you call New Beginnings your home or if you're a Christian, you're a believer, follower of Jesus, um, this series is probably going to be the most important one for the rest of this year. And honestly, from this point forward, uh, my prayer is that our lives, from this point until Jesus comes or until he takes us home, I pray that our lives reflect this series that we're embarking on. Last week was kind of an introduction. Who did not get a chance to either hear it online or was not here last week? Can I see your hands? If you did not, you did not. The rest of you did. Awesome. Okay, so I'll spend a little bit of time review, but... Uh, I can jump into the new material. Those of you that did not, thank you. I, I could use that bottle of water that I have there too. Is that the one that started? I don't like wasting bottles of water. How many of you are like that? I'm like, I go around the house after we have a company and I pick them all up and water the plants or do something. I can't stand wasting stuff. I don't think that's good stewardship. All right, so let's get off of that. So um, we're going to jump into this material today. Last week was an introduction. And listen, the life you're living now, whether you like it or not, whether it's, it's good, bad, or indifferent, is a reflection of the foundation that has been built in your life up until this point. Okay? Understand that. It's just a fact. It's just life. It's the way it is. You and I cannot project any different than what foundation we have in our life. Okay? At least genuinely. Now, there are some people who try to do that. And there's a Greek word for those individuals who try to do something that they're really not. Do we know what that word is? Hypocrite, okay? Now, the word hypocrite is really the word for an actor, okay? And so who wants to be a hypocrite? Because we'll, we'll come up here, we'll pray for you. <laughs> who, who woke up this morning and said, I'm going to start being the best hypocrite I possibly can be? Now, we're, we're opposed to that. Even though when we fall into it, sometimes we don't realize we are. But it's the result of us recognizing, watch this now, it's a result of us recognizing my foundation is not really where it should be and is as strong as it should be, and I know it should be different, so I'm going to act like it is, but it's really not. And at some point in time, every one of us come to the end of our foundation and realize, I got to change. I've got to build some more things into my foundation to take me into my future, okay? So, um, I, I see a lot of newcomers here. Um, so just please, and I'm gl we're glad you're here. We're glad you're here. Um, I'm excited about new people coming, joining this church, coming to check us out. Uh, I need you to understand where we are as a church right now. We are convinced, and I don't have time to go into all this. I will tell you right now, if you have questions about what I'm about to tell you, please email me directly and I will send you a series of videos that you can watch that will confirm what I'm about to tell you, okay? We as a church, as our leadership, I believe the majority of our church members here, we are convinced that we are living in the last of the last days. Now, don't let that scare you, okay? Uh, it, could be, it could be challenging, but we're living in the most exciting times in human history, okay? We are about to experience something that the prophets 3,000 years ago expected to see. We are, we are living in a day where the Jesus' original disciples could not wait to happen. And that is, we are living in the days just before the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. He is about to come. He's going to wrap up history up until this point. And things are going to shift extremely differently on this planet. Um, but until that happens, from this point in time, 
Okay, I want you to settle in your heart from 1144 on January the 16th until the moment either Jesus comes to get us or we take our last breath and go into eternity. The world is going to see some difficult times. I think we're seeing them already. Uh, how many realize that things have changed drastically in the past 18 months, almost two years pretty soon, okay? Um, and so, so, so th this should not scare us because, you see, if we're students of the Bible, we'll understand and realize he told us this was going to happen. Everything that's going on, everything you're seeing happen, things that are happening behind the scenes, things of this nature, have all been predicted in the Word of God some thousands of years ago, some in Jesus' time, but we should not be taken by surprise, but we should also make sure that we're ready for any challenges that come upon this earth in the future, okay? I want you to see yourself this way. And, and this is not a pep talk. I'm just trying to establish a baseline here with all of us. You are the answer to prayer to someone. Okay, over here, they got it. Uh, let me aim this way. You are an answer to prayer to someone. Good. Somebody is, is praying to God for someone to come into their life to show them the truth, to show them the way. Okay? That's how you got here. That's how I got here. God sent someone into my life 37 years ago, impacted my life in such a way, but they didn't impact my, my life with their conduct or their intellectualism. They impacted my heart with the word of God, okay? Every one of us has that responsibility, and every one of us, God has an expectation that we would make ourselves available to him, that whoever he puts in our life, we will have what it takes to meet the need of that individual at whatever season he brings him into our lives. Is that, that understandable? Okay? You might not see yourself that way, but the fact of the matter is, just like God used somebody to impact your life, he wants to use you to impact someone else's life. You got it? Now, in the times ahead that are going to become more and more challenging, more and more perplexing, more and more confusing, um, we're going to need to have stability in our lives or else how are we going to be able to help somebody else if we're all over the place because we've been completely shaken and disrupted by the things that are coming upon this nation, upon the rest of the nations of the world. Uh, societies are changing drastically. Um, it's just, it's a mess, okay? Would everyone agree? I'm sorry that we have to talk this way, but it is. And so we're not going to walk around blank. Everything's okay. Everything's okay. Everything, no, everything's not okay. And it's going to get less okay from this point forward, okay? Now, it doesn't mean that we're going to get wiped out. What it means is we now have the opportunity, and I believe the Holy Spirit is issuing a challenge to us. I know, at least for this church, I'm not worried about what everybody else is doing because I'm not their pastor. I am the pastor of this church. And so I'm taking it very, very serious that we spend the next, this series is going to be at least eight weeks, okay? Now, it's going to get different every week. It's not going to be the same thing every week. It's going to be different every week. But we're going to take the next eight weeks minimum and, and step by step, building block by building block, we're going to build the foundation in our lives strong on the Word of God, okay? Um, Jesus gave us an amazing illustration. I talked about this last week. I'm going to go into, back into Matthew chapter 7. And then we're going to go from there. We'll go right into our new material. This is actually part, this is actually the first part. Last week was the introduction, but this is part two. All right, Matthew chapter 7. I want you to listen very closely. If you have your Bible app, uh, get it out. If you actually have a Bible, please turn to Matthew chapter 7. Not draw your attention to the stream. Verse 24, Jesus is speaking. Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, say does them, and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock. Verse 25, as happens in everyone's life at some point or another, and the rain descended, the floods came, the winds blew and beat on that house, and it did not fall. For it was founded on the rock. But everyone who hears these sayings of mine, <coughs> excuse me, and does not do them 
will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain, and, and again, here, the same storm's coming. And the rain descended, the floods came, the winds blew, and beat on that house, and it fell. And it adds, he adds, and great was its fall. In other words, everybody was aware that this person's house was not founded on a good foundation, that it was founded on very shaky sand, and when it collapsed, everyone knew about it. Interestingly, both of them were subject to storms. The determining factor which you would make it and which you would be wiped out was the foundation upon which the house was built, or we would say, we know Jesus is using house as a symbol of our lives, okay? So what's the purpose of having a foundation? A foundation plays three major roles in the construction of a, of a building. Number one, it supports the load of the entire building and, this is the most important part, and provides for future expansion. Did you get that? And provides for future expansion. Number two, a strong foundation keeps the building standing, uh, I'll paraphrase it, while the storms come, just like we saw in that illustration that Jesus used. Number three, a solid foundation stops, the, uh, stops undermining issues from seeping in and weakening the structure. It plays the same role in our lives, in our spiritual life. The Word of God is the foundation that does the same thing in our lives that a physical foundation or natural foundation, concrete foundation, does for a building. Okay? 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 14. But you, this is Paul writing to Timothy. Timothy was a young pastor that Paul uh, was mentoring and training him. And he writes to him, and this is what we have. Verse 14, but you must continue in the things which you have learned, have been assured of, knowing from whom you have learned them, and that from childhood you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise. Who would like to be a fool in here today? Could I see your hands? Who wants to live a life foolishly? None of us do. None of us do. He said the scriptures were able to make him wise for salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. Verse 16, all scripture is given by inspiration of God. And it's profitable, it's helpful for doctrine. Doctrine really is another word for teaching for reproof, for correction, pretty much kind of the same thing, and for instruction in righteousness. In other words, how are we supposed to live here on the earth now? From the point in time when we become born again, we've received Christ, he's our Lord, he's our Savior, Holy Spirit came to live inside of us. How are we supposed to live from that point until we step into eternity? That's what the New Testament letters are for. That's why if you're going to spend time reading the Bible, Pastor, I'd love to read the Bible, I just don't know where to start, don't know what to read, don't, know, don't have that much time. Uh, that, that my suggestion to you is this. Read the Gospel of John. Why the Gospel of John? Because the Gospel of John itself says, these things I have written to you so that you might believe in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, or the name of the Son of God, okay? You read the Gospel of John and then go immediately to the letters that are written to the churches. Romans, 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians, all the little letters. Why? That is where we get our instruction of how we're supposed to live from this point forward. Okay? Well, I like to read the stories in the Old Testament. That's good. Read those. But we're not living in the Old Testament. Now, watch us now. The Old Testament is our foundation for the New Testament, but we don't live in the Old Testament. How many of you say, thank God? Thank God. All right. So, we live in the New Testament. So, if you only have a certain amount of time, energy, attention, span, spend your time reading the letters to the church because they're written to you and they're written to me. Man, I thought it was going to get a better one than that. Amen? Amen. Let's practice that. <laughs> if you're a newcomer, go ahead and say it. I know it was tough for me when I first started going to church. Good. Say amen. amen. See, it wasn't that bad, was it? Now, why do I like when people say amen? Do I want to go home and say, wow, everybody say amen? No, because amen tells me, okay, pastor, we got it. You can move to the next point. You got it? Well, you got it. So, so watch this now. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God. Profitable. Oh, well, people wrote the Bible. Yeah, of course they did. Some hand had to write the words. But the inspiration came from God. All inspiration is given by, all Scripture is given by inspiration of God. Literally, in original language, it says, 
breathed by God. That's cool. Jesus, God breathed the word, and it comes in and brings life to us. All scripture is breathed by God, is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, instruction in righteousness. Look at verse 17. This is what we want to be. Verse 17. You got verse 17? That the man slash woman of God may be what? Uh, you missed the word. May be what? Complete. May be what? Complete. Entire. Whole. Shalom. That's the real word is shalom. How do you say peace in Hebrew? Shalom. Nah, we say shalom. But what shalom means is complete. Nothing missing. Nothing broken. Everything working perfectly. So the scriptures are telling us here that if we will stick with the word of God, if we'll allow it to correct us, if we'll allow it to, to teach us, if we'll allow it to guide us, we will then be shalom, complete, thoroughly equipped for what? So what was Paul saying to Timothy? Paul's saying to Timothy, Timothy, don't forget the scriptures that got you to the place where you're at right now. Don't forget your mother. Don't forget your grandmother. They taught you the scriptures from the time you were a child. It brought you to the place of salvation. But Timothy, you got a lot to accomplish for God. So now, Timothy, you're going to have to add to the foundation. Listen, you're going to have to add to the foundation that was established because God's got great things for you to do. So that Timothy would be complete and thoroughly equipped for what? Every good work. We would say it this way. I would say it here this way. And I don't think it conflicts with the scriptures. We need to be complete and thoroughly equipped for the times that we're living in right now. So, let's jump in. You ready for the message now? That was all introduction. Building block number one, which I believe is the most important one. When you are born again, I'll go over this again. When you are born again, you are a new creation in Christ. Settle that. Settle that. There's too many Christians, there's too many Christ followers, too many believers in Jesus that are up and down, up and down, up and down. You have an experience, you feel good, it's an emotional thing, got goosebumps, the whole bit. And then a couple of days later, when the goosebumps disappear, the devil starts whispering in your ear. Nothing happened to you. You're still the same old person. You're still thinking this. You're still saying that. You're still conducting yourself the wrong way. And he's counting on your ignorance. Let me explain some things, and then we'll get back into this. Okay. When you got born again, because what does it mean to get born again? Being born again means, and I'm going to go into it in John chapter 3. But let me just throw this out to you for, for now. Being born again means your spirit man, who you are really on the inside, up until the point that you received Christ as your Lord and Savior, your spirit is dead. When Adam and Eve were created, they were created already in relationship with God. When they sinned, they got unborn again, if I could put it that way. They went from being in right standing with God to not being in right standing with God. Therefore, everyone who's been born since that time from them, because we're all descendants of them, every one of us have been born with the sin nature, or if you grew up in the church that I did, original sin. How many of you know what I'm talking about when I say original sin? You know, the Catholics come out of the, come out of the, okay? Original sin, okay? The Bible calls original sin, sin nature, okay? You got that, right? Every single one of us have been born that way. Romans chapter 3, verse 23 says, all have sinned and fallen short of God's standard, okay? So now watch this now. When you got born again, and I'm assuming that the majority of people here, if you're not yet, if you have not yet asked Jesus to be your Lord, to be your Savior, you've not yet declared your faith in Jesus Christ, you'll have an opportunity before we leave today. But for those of us that have, when you said that simple prayer, when you spoke with your mouth what you believed in your heart, your spirit got born again. Your spirit came alive and got connected with God through the Holy Spirit. You got this? Okay, let me explain some things because I can see I'm not getting too many amens. Um, in Genesis chapter 1, the Bible tells us that God created man in his image. Yes? Yes. Okay. 
what's the image of God? God exists in a triune nature. In other words, three parts. God the Father. Let's do it again. God the Father. How many parts? So if he created us in his image and in his likeness, then we should see some tripart nature in man, yes? yes? And we do. We are a spirit. Who you are on the inside is a spirit. You're a spirit being. You possess a soul. Now, that soul is your mind, your will, your emotions, which is changeable. It can be shaped. How many of you would agree, no matter what age you are, that you're not the same person you were five years ago? I was talking this morning in the first service. My wife and I, this coming August, will be married 45 years. Watch, watch this now. In those 45 years, can you imagine that? 45 years. Huh? And she lives for another bread. No, I lived for another bread. And watch this now. Um, during those 45 years, We've actually sat down and talked about this. We've switched personalities multiple times. Okay, now I'm not talking about multiple personalities. <laughs> I'm talking about our personalities, our, our character, our, who we are has changed drastically over the years. There are times when, when we first got married that my wife had certain characteristics that I ended up taking on, and she ended up taking on some of mine, and we went back and forth. If you live long enough, your soul is going to change. Why? Because your soul is influenced by everything that you're exposed to. Are you listening to me? Uh, for instance, uh, let's just talk about recent events, okay? Uh, two years ago, well, it'll be two years in March coming up in a couple of months, when all this craziness burst on the scene. You and I saw people that all of a sudden who were very courageous, very bold, all of a sudden become very fearful. What happened? their soul was exposed to this bombardment in every form of media of fear, anxiety, stress. And, and, and some of us have worked through some of those things. Some of us are still working through some of those things. And, and we need to have compassion and have patience with one another. But I think we would all agree, a lot has changed and has affected our souls, our outlook on life, our perspective. Some people have literally started to have mental illness because of the amount of stress and anxiety. People have lost loved ones, young ones. You can't have that kind of stuff happen in your life without it affecting your soul. Now, what we have seen is the stronger the foundation, it seems like the quicker we can get through these things. And more importantly, the stronger the foundation, the more of a help we can be to others who don't know Jesus and don't know the word of God, and they're floundering and they're wondering and they're scared. So we owe it to our loved ones. We owe it to our extended families. We owe it to anybody that God puts in our life to build a strong foundation. Why? Because we want to be a help and not a hindrance. Are you listening to me? So now we're tripart nature. Now, when your spirit got born again, when you got born again, when you said, God, I believe in Jesus, I believe that he died on the cross for my sins, I believe that you raised him from the dead, Jesus, I declare my faith in you, be my Lord, be my Savior, your spirit immediately jumped and came back to life. And then immediately is connected because when you said that prayer, the Holy Spirit came to live inside you, and you now became the dwelling place of the Holy Spirit. You are, Paul says in two different occasions, the temple of the Holy Ghost. The Holy Spirit lives in you. If you're a believer, if you've placed your trust in the Lord Jesus, the Holy Spirit that was there when creation began lives inside of you. You need to hold on to that. You need to raise your level of awareness. Why? Because you have an enemy. It's not a physical human being. It's not a flesh and blood person. It is a spiritual entity called Satan, and he does not want you walking in the reality that you are now a new creation. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, if any man slash woman be in Christ, he, she is a new creation. All things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. You've got to live in the reality of that. Well, pastor, to be honest with you, I really don't see myself that way because, you know, 
I'm still doing this and I'm, I'm still addicted to this and I'm, I'm still involved and I'm still thinking this way and I'm still, you know, and I treat my family bad. No, you're looking at the outward, which can be changed. Your soul is not eternal. Your spirit is eternal. And once you said yes to Jesus Christ, your spirit came alive unto God. You're connected to him through the Holy Spirit, okay? The real you now is connected to God. That doesn't change. That's one and done, okay? The scriptures tell us in Hebrews, I believe, chapter 11, it tells us that by one sacrifice, he, Jesus, made us perfect who are being sanctified. Go look it up, okay? Look up Hebrews, look up sanctified. Okay, what is it saying to us? By Jesus' death on the cross, his burial and his resurrection, the sacrifice he made, which God the Father accepted as payment for your sin and my sin, we were perfect. Our spirit, turn to somebody and say, your spirit. spirit. Turn to somebody and say, your soul is still. (laughs) Your spirit was made perfect, but he's working with us on our soul. And our soul is capable of change. Uh, somebody should say, thank God. Now, why is, it, why is it so important for our souls to change? And this is why we need to build a strong foundation. See, your spirit, between you and God, everything is perfect. But your soul, for the most part, is probably causing somebody aggravation. <laughs> Don't look at the person. Your soul is where we connect with each other, and your soul is where we conflict with each other. It's not in our spirits. Truthfully, once I'm born again, I don't have a spiritual problem anymore. My spirit's been made perfect. I have a soul problem, and we try to defend those things. Well, you don't understand. This is the way I was made. This is who I am. This is my personality. My father was this way. My grandfather was this way. That's no reason for anything. You just showed that you have been the object of trained behavior. And trained behavior can be untrained. Somebody should say hallelujah. hallelujah. Think about that person right now that you know needs soul, needs trained behavior to be untrained. Think about that, but don't say their name and just say, oh, hallelujah, thank you, God. There's hope, there's hope, there's hope. Are you listening to me? So we need to build these foundations. Now, now we got born again, we get born again when we ask Jesus to become our Lord and our Savior. And from that point forward, um, we have experienced a new birth, all right? John chapter 3, verse 3, Nicodemus comes to Jesus uh, at night. Nicodemus is a Pharisee. A Pharisee is a very religious, very legalistic, very detailed religious person who believed that by their good deeds and doing all the right stuff that they got God's attention. We do the same thing today sometimes, okay? Now... Do we want to please God? Yes, of course. But we don't get to heaven by pleasing God. We get to heaven by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. You you better say amen. Because if it was based on our conduct, we all better get some fireproof insulation suits. Okay? You you got that? Are you listening? Yeah, and I I just my I just in my inside I'm hearing somebody saying to us, well, I'm a good person. Good. You'll be the best person in hell. You're a good person. That's wonderful that you're a good person because good people don't go to hell. I'm sorry. Good people don't go to heaven. That's not, that's not why you go to heaven. You go to heaven because you're in Christ. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. It's about what realm are you living in? Are you, well, I'm a good person. You know, my whole life I've been a good person. Yeah, so you've been a good person your whole life. In other words, while you're living in this physical body, You've had some discipline, and you make sure you do the right things, even if you don't want to. But sooner or later, that don't want to is going to come to the surface. You listening? So, so you, in a physical realm, can't get into heaven. So Nicodemus says to Jesus, we know that you're, you're, a, person that come, you're a teacher that comes from God, because nobody could do the miracles that you do unless God is with them. And Jesus almost ignores his question or his statement. And I love when Jesus does this because Jesus is a no-nonsense, bottom line. Who's a bottom line person? How many bottom line people do we have here? 
Bottom, just give me the bottom line. Don't, don't dance around. Don't blow smoke at me. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Bottom, just give me the bottom line. So Jesus is there. He knows all about Nicodemus. Nicodemus is a very well-known rabbi in his time. Nicodemus comes by night, which tells us he really doesn't want everybody to know that he's visiting Jesus. Okay? So he comes by night, and he makes that statement. We know that your teacher come from God because nobody could do the signs that you do unless God is with them. And Jesus goes, unless you're born again, you can't get into the kingdom of heaven. And Nicodemus must have went, what, what, how is that connected to what I just, Jesus is like, here's the bottom line, Nicodemus. Unless you're born again, you don't see the kingdom of God. And Nicodemus says to him, how can I, an old man, climb back into my mother's womb and be born? And Jesus, and Jesus says, most assuredly, verse 5, most assuredly I say to you, unless one is born of water, natural birth, and of the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Verse 6, that which is born of flesh is flesh. Flesh can only reproduce other flesh. Spirit can only reproduce other spirit. So he's saying you got to be born once naturally. You got to be born the second time spiritually. So Jesus is saying to Nicodemus, in order to enter the physical realm, you must experience natural birth. In order to enter the spiritual realm, heaven, you must experience spiritual birth. The conduct of my physical body cannot have any effect on me getting to this other realm that only spirits can go to. Are you catching this? So when people say, oh, I've been a good person all my life. Yeah, you have been, but you've been doing it in the physical, which does not count for the spiritual. Are you getting this? I'm not hearing any amen, so let me spend some time here. What we produce out of our flesh before we confess Jesus Christ as Lord doesn't get us there. Well, say, somebody might be saying, well, pastor, don't we receive rewards in heaven? Yes, because it's only what you do after you've come into relationship with Jesus Christ that counts for eternity. What you do beforehand does not count. Why? Because it's coming from a different nature. You remember what I said? When Adam and Eve were created, they were created already in relationship with God. They lived in the realm of the spirit. That's why they were not even aware of their physical bodies. And what was the first consequence of sin? We saw that we were naked and we were afraid. They were so caught up in the realm of the spirit before, they had, didn't even know they had a physical body. As soon as they sinned, their eyes are open. They're disconnected spiritually, and they connected with their physical. They became way more conscious. Let's put it this way. They became self-conscious instead of God-conscious. And what's the very first thing they do in self-consciousness? They hide themselves, and they try to cover themselves with fig leaves rather than going to God and saying, we messed up royally. We are so sorry. No, they established the very first man-made religion, fig leafism. <laughs> you getting this? It's true. And, and mankind has been intimidated, self-conscious, anxious, fearful ever since that day. They never, it took them, they were so astonished when they sinned because they had never experienced fear before. There's nothing to be fearful. They're living in harmony with God. He's coming on a daily basis. They're hooking up together, connecting. They're, they're, they're relating to one another. They're spending time together. They had no aware, awareness that there was anything separating them from God. All of a sudden, they sin, and the separation takes place. Their spirit dies. Their physical bodies live because they lived hundreds and hundreds of years after that fact, but there was a disconnect. Not on God's end, on their end. They lost their awareness of their creator. And mankind has been in decline ever since then. It's not getting better. It's getting worse. Are you listening? 
So we need to settle once and for all that once you got born again, I believe probably the majority in this room have experienced that, being born again. You've, you've received Christ. You've placed your faith in him. You've declared what you believe in your heart about the Lord Jesus, and you've experienced a new birth. The Holy Spirit has come to live inside you, and you're aware of that. Keep up that awareness. <clears throat> Excuse me. Because as the days continue to get difficult, there's going to be more and more pressure to forget who you are in Christ and to just live for yourself. You don't believe that? Go to the supermarket and go look for an item and there's the last one on the shelf and there's you and three other people. Guess what's going to happen? You better get your hand off that thing. The base nature comes out. Me first, the heck with you. And we're seeing selfishness and self-centeredness just busting on the scene like we've never seen before. <coughs> Excuse me. So you took on the life of God when you said, Jesus, come and be my Lord. Come into my life. I believe in you. Immediately, your spirit came to life, and immediately, the Holy Spirit came to live inside you, and things changed. Your nature changed. But, but, but Pastor, I'm still, I'm, I'm still stuck in some things. I'm still falling in these areas. I'm still struggling in this area. Yeah, that's your soul, and God knew that. I'm not minimizing it. We need to do all we can to stand, and, and by the power of the Word of God, overcome these areas, and the only way you're going to overcome those areas is by the Word of God. When you start speaking what God says about that situation rather than what you're experiencing, then the change starts, okay? Because we need to be renewed in our minds. We need to start thinking the way the Word of God says rather than start thinking what everything around us is saying. Are you getting this? Is anybody learning anything today? Am I just spouting off a bunch of stuff? Okay, good. Now, let me see where I want to go here. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, let's go here. Romans chapter 5, verse 18. Romans chapter 5, verse 18. We're talking about the mechanism of how we get born again, how our spirit comes alive unto God. Romans chapter 5, verse 18. Follow this now. It's going to move fast from this point, okay? Okay, you can stay. You can stay. <laughs> It's going to start moving fast from this point now. All right. Therefore, just as one man's trespass, he's talking about Adam, led to condemnation for all, so one man's act of righteousness, talking about Jesus, leads to justification. What does justification mean? Justification means that you're declared innocent. Okay? How many of you like that one? Okay. So one man trespassed, one man's sin led to condemnation, one man's righteous act, that's Jesus' sacrifice, led to our justification and life and life and life for all. So I'm going to make eternal life. Next verse. For just as by one man's disobedience, the many were made sinners, so by the one man's obedience, the many will be made righteous. Well, pastor, that can't be talking about me because I'm a good person. I don't sin. I didn't kill anybody. I'm not a drug addict. I'm not a pedophile. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not. Okay, well, then you explain to me how a baby at six months old can already know how to manipulate their parents because they lay in the crib and will scream because they know if I keep screaming, they're going to come and get me out of the crib. Did you teach that to your child? No. Uh, let's fast forward to about two years old. You come in the kitchen. There's crumbs all over the place. Did you eat those cookies? No. Crumbs, crumb, chocolate, chocolate, crumbs all over the place. Yes or no? Yes. Am I exaggerating here? Well, I raised four boys. Oh, no, he did it. No, but, but the chocolate's on your face. Did they go to night school to learn how to lie? Did you sit them down and teach them this is how you lie? No, it came very natural. Why? Because all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Okay, you listen? You listen? Okay. Let's fast forward to five years old. 
your five-year-old rips the toy out of the hands of your three-year-old. What happens? It's mine. But you need to share. I don't want to share. Did you, teach, did you sit down one night after dinner and say, listen, this is how you are to be selfish. Don't share anything out. Did you send him to school for that? Did you get him a book? What happened? It came very... Okay, thank you. All right, let's go back to that scripture. For just as by one man's disobedience and many were made sinners, so by one man's obedience, talking about Jesus, many will be made what? Righteous. And don't let that word stumble you. We're going to spend a lot of time next week talking about righteousness. Bottom line is this is what it means. Righteousness does not mean that you are pious and devout and you dress a certain way and you don't do this and don't do that. Righteousness, biblically speaking, means you are in a good position with the Father. He put you there. It's nothing that you did. It's nothing that you can earn. He, when you received Christ, he took you and went, now I'm going to, from this point forward, I'm going to consider you as righteous, as in right standing with me. It's good news. When we, next week when we talk about it, you'll see. Okay, next verse. Is there a next verse? No, okay, good. Thank you for telling me so I don't waste time. Now, uh, let's go to 1 John chapter 5, verse 11. So you see how it took, you see how the exchange took place? Adam sinned, Jesus comes, he pays for the sin so that he can undo everything that Adam did to mankind. That's a good thing. You can say amen. amen. This is the test. Now, this is John the Apostle. This is one of the letters he wrote to the church. This is not the gospel of John. This is the letter of John to the church, which he wrote after he, was, after he spent time on that little island in the, in the Mediterranean there where he wrote the book of Revelation. He comes back, and he writes these letters to the church. And this is the testimony that God has given us, has given us, God has given us eternal life. See, we think that when we die, we step into eternal life. No, no, no. You step into eternal life here. When you got born again, you stepped into eternal life. You don't wait until you take your last breath to step into eternal life. In fact, if you wait till then, you never will. That decision has to be made here. God has given us eternal life, and this life is in who? His son. Next verse. He who has the Son has life. He who does not have the Son of God does not have life. So right here, watch this now. Keep this up on the screen. It has nothing to do with your conduct. It has to do with who you have in you. You can be the best person in the world morally and still go to hell. You can be the worst person in the world and receive forgiveness and still go to heaven. So it doesn't make sense. Of course not, because you're looking at that through human eyes. God is looking at who has received my son, who has placed their faith in his crucifixion, his, his burial, and his resurrection. Who is willing to believe that? That's the person who receives eternal life. Don't you get mad sometimes when you see these stories in, in, online or on TV or you read them in a, a, a magazine or something, and this person killed 50 people brutally. Then they go to jail, and in jail they genuinely, genuinely get born again, and then God works his miracle and they get out of prison. Doesn't that bother you sometimes? It bothers me. You say, wait a minute, this isn't fair. Of course it's not fair. Because if it was fair, we'd all go to hell. You listening to me? You don't want God to be fair. Well, where's the justice? Oh, honey, the last thing we want is justice. What we really want is mercy. <laughs> you want mercy. You don't want justice. I don't want justice. If God showed me justice, I would have been dead before I was 30 years old. <clears throat> you listening to me? Am I talking to anybody this morning? Yes. We don't want justice. Turn to somebody and say, I don't want justice. I want mercy. Uh, listen to me. When you go in front of the court, when you have a traffic ticket, do you want justice? No. What do you want? Your Honor, please forgive me. I promise I'll never do it again. It was everybody in the car distracted me. I didn't realize how fast I was going. You don't want justice. You want mercy, okay? We got that? Yes. Amen? Amen? Now, so what are we talking about? When a person is born again, they receive eternal life. They are a new creation. 
Go to 2 Peter. This is awesome. Listen, wait till you see this. 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 2. Watch this now. Look at me. We're going to go through it one step at a time. Watch this now. Do I have your attention? Yes. Okay, don't, don't, don't start thinking my stomach is hungry. Just give me another five minutes, okay? I'm hungry too, okay? Watch this now. Look, grace and peace be yours in abundance. How many of you want grace on your life? Just a few of you. How many of you want grace on your life? Come on, I'm wasting time here. How many of you want peace in your life? Come on, come on, come on. Raise it high, raise it high. You want peace. Well, he's telling us how to get it. Grace and peace be yours in abundance because God doesn't do anything. He doesn't own an eyedropper. Grace and peace be yours in abundance through what? The knowledge of who? God and of Jesus our Lord. Now, it gets better. Watch this. His divine power has, has, say has. What is has? Is has something looking look in the future? Has is what? So it's done already, right? His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life. Here we go again. How? Through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Keep going. That through these, he has given us his very great and precious promises so that through them, which them? The great and precious promises. So through his great and precious promises, look at this now, that through them, you, read it with me nice and loud, one, two, three. You may participate in the divine nature. What did Adam and Eve do? What did they do? How did they live? They participated in his divine nature. How did Jesus walk on this earth? A man, 100% man, 100% God. Did he not walk in God's divine nature? Does he tell us that we can walk in his divine nature? Yeah. Yeah, he said to the disciples, truly, truly, I say unto you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, they shall do also, because I'm going to the Father. So he had a natural expectation that when I leave this place, after I go to the cross, after I'm in the grave for three days, after I raise from the dead, 40 days later, I'm going back to heaven. All his disciples were going to see it, but he turned the whole thing over to them. And when he turned the whole thing over to them, he turned the whole thing over to us. So by his great and precious promises, but the new life that he's given us, the eternal life that you and I stepped into, we now participate in the divine nature of God. What does it mean? We have his attributes. We have his nature. We have the poten his potential is implanted in your spirit. I don't know if you got that. Because this is what mankind has been looking for for thousands and thousands of years, and they created multitudes and multitudes of man-made religions to try to get to the place where man would be like God. And yet the most simple thing took place. Jesus comes to earth. He goes to the cross because somebody perfect had to die to pay for your sins and my sins. You couldn't die for my sin. You might die to save my life physically, you might throw yourself on a grenade, but you're not going to impact me spiritually. Why? Because you are another deficient, flawed individual. There's only one that's ever come to this earth that lived a perfect life, 100% God, 100% man. And he willingly went to the cross, willingly shed his blood. God the Father in heaven took that blood, received that blood as payment for your sin and for my sin. And that's how we come back into relationship with God, our creator. Not because I did good things, not because I bought somebody groceries at the supermarket the other day, not because I went and baked cookies and brought them to somebody down the street. It's because I am now no longer in Adam. I am now in Christ. And you'll see that phrase all throughout the letters written to the church, in him, in Christ, through Christ, by Christ because that's the position that God sees you in. Now, only got two more minutes. Man, I don't know, this was really different, this service. Okay, now watch this now. What am I going to do with this information? Because there's two challenges I'm going to issue you today in the next couple of minutes before we leave. Number one, if you are not yet in relationship with God through the Lord Jesus Christ, you can't participate in his divine nature. 
when you step from this physical realm into the spirit realm, there's not going to be a connection between you and him. There's only one other place you can go. And that wasn't created for man. It was created for the devil and the angels that followed him. No person, no human being should be in hell. It wasn't created for that. Heaven was created for us. The realm where God lives. The realm where the reality of who God is is very much alive. But he gave us free choice. God would not be love if he took you and forced you. Said, no, you've got to believe in my son. You've got to. He would cease to be love. So he gives us a free choice. Now, because he is love, not only with the free choice, he gives us all the evidence we need to make the right choice, but he can't make the choice for us. I can pray for you, but I can't make the choice for you. So I'm begging you, especially in light of the days that we're living in, please, please, do not hesitate. You're sitting here. Either somebody bribed you to get you here or you had some interest. You're here. You've heard now. You've been given the evidence and you're held accountable for the evidence that you've received. I'm asking you, please, put aside your pride. Put aside all your preconceived ideas and let your heart respond. Because your heart now is like, this is true. This stuff is real. And respond from your heart. I don't understand it all. I don't understand it all. I understand a little bit more now than I did 37 years ago when I first prayed that prayer. But the more I go, the more I realize I don't know. It's a journey. Get in on the journey. Don't allow your pride. Don't allow your, your mental reasoning. This doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense. Put that aside, please. Let your heart respond. Your spirit will come alive unto God. Secondly, and I'm going to come back to number one, but secondly, if you are a Christian, you've said that prayer, you are a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, but you find yourself constantly living condemned, living, feeling guilty, um, trying to make up ground, then you're probably not yet convinced that in the eyes of God, and that's the only thing that matters, that in the eyes of God, he sees you as brand new. He sees you as perfect. When he looks at you, he doesn't really see you. He sees Jesus. Why? Because you're in Christ. If I'm in Christ, you're gonna, when you look, you're going to see Christ. You're not going to see Joe. You're gonna, and God, when he, he has chosen to look past our human frailties and to see Jesus when he looks at us. Remind yourself of that. Remind yourself on a regular basis that you have the life of God in you. You have his, his nature. We used to sing a song many, many years ago. We really should bring that one back. I have the life of God in me. I have his love, his nature, and his ability. When, we, when you sing songs like that, you keep your, your soul aware of who you really are. Amen? Continuously remind yourself. Now, for those of you, let's get back to number one. For those of you that have never yet either not had the opportunity or did not take the opportunity to say a very simple prayer. And really what you're doing is declaring with your mouth what you believe in your heart. I'm going to ask these questions. Do not respond to me in any way. Just ponder these questions. Do you believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God? Do you believe that he came to this earth, went to the cross, suffered a horrible death so that he could pay for our sins? Do you believe that God raised him from the dead and he's alive right now in heaven? He's waiting for us. Some of us are going to go to him to meet him. Some of us will be here on the earth when he comes. And it won't be too long from now. But the choice is yours. 
Wow. The Holy Spirit's moving on this crowd. You just sense the presence of the Holy Spirit touching people's hearts. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus that every person that needs to receive Jesus as the Lord and Savior would say yes today. Father, we know that we can't take for granted the life that we have, Father. Some of us, Lord God, may not see tomorrow. So, Father, you're moving on the hearts of individuals right now. You desire, Father, for them to be partakers of eternal life. So I pray, Holy Spirit, you continue to move on the hearts of people. Why don't you stand up, everybody? Just stand up. Church, the presence of God is here. Would you just please, those of you that pray in the Spirit, just pray right now for those that are in, right, and they're, they're in that decision process right now. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Yeah, there, there, there's some that are so wounded here today. So wounded. That you're like, I, I can't trust another promise that might come, that might disappoint me. I, I can't suffer another disappointment. The Spirit of God would say to you today, if you trust him, he'll shield you. He'll heal your heart. He'll make himself so real to you. Just take that step and say, yes, Lord. Say, yes, Lord. Just say, yes, Lord. Thank you, Lord God. That you're moving on the hearts of the wounded. Moving on the hearts of the brokenhearted, Father. Thank you that you're shifting things, you're tweaking things. You're pouring your grace. You have compassion on us, Father. So I thank you that you're moving on the hearts of the wounded. Moving on the hearts of the disappointed. Moving on the hearts of those who have suffered shame. And you're bringing healing right now. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Now, for those of you that never said this prayer, we're all going to pray with you. Every single one of us. I don't care if you said this prayer a thousand times. I probably said it thousands of times in 37 years. But we're going to pray with you. We're going to help you so that you don't feel intimidated at all. But I beg you, please, pray this prayer from your heart. Let's all say this together. Father, I believe with all my heart that Jesus is the Son of God. I believe he died on that cross to pay for my sins. I believe that you, Father, raised Jesus from the dead, and he's alive right now, and he hears me praying right now. So, Jesus, I believe in you. I thank you for paying for my sins. I declare from my heart my desire for you to be my Lord for you to be my Savior. Come into my heart right now. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Thank you for making me a child of God. I declare right now, based on your word, that I am born again. My spirit is now alive unto you. Thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Now listen to me. We're going to be out of here in just a moment. Please, I'm begging you. Those of you that said that prayer for the first time, or if you said that prayer as a, as a, 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 a means of rededicating your life to the Lord, recommitting your life to God, 
please, it's so important that you tell someone. Listen, we want to give you a Bible. We want to give you whatever tools you need to get started on this journey. Please, if that's you, don't worry about who else is here. When everyone is dismissed, there'll be people that will be coming up here for prayer for whatever reason. But please, if you said that prayer today for the first time, please, please, just make your way up here and just tell whoever's standing up here, I said that prayer today. It's so important that you make that declaration publicly. It's so important that you tell somebody what you did today. Amen? Amen. God bless you. So thank you so much for giving me the time I needed today. God bless you. Go enjoy the rest of the week. And please do not miss next weekend.